This is episode 300 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life, so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's articles are, What Place Does Extreme Frugality Have in Your Life? And Fish Antibiotics, For Survival and How to Store Them. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version, with some commentary, of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, before we get started, I want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by the Preparedness Community's Guide to a Microbiz and Increasing Your Finances. It's time to finally advance your preparedness goals, get the ebook, and join the forums Go to microbiz.biz for more information or theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. All right, so look, guys, let's go ahead and jump into our first article of the podcast. It comes to us from Living Life in Rural Iowa, and it's entitled, What Place Does Extreme Frugality Have in Your Life? Let's go ahead and start reading. One of the ideas that has been on my mind has been extreme frugality. I'm currently in saving money mode, which is normal, while trying to amp up my frugality game. I am back to using paper coupons, digital coupons, Ebota, Saving Star, and much more. I'm paying a lot more attention to sales flyers and really deciding if I need any of that, which, by the way, is in direct conflict with the stockpiler in me. However, along with being frugal, I want to have a bigger impact on my savings and my spending game. To save more money and spend less money, you have to make more meaningful decisions about where your money goes and how your money is being spent. In short, you have to become more extreme in your frugal living game. Frugal living has several aspects. One of the biggest aspects in frugal living and practicing extreme frugality is daily living. You have to examine every decision you make every day. Because being frugal is not just saving money on just big purchases, but being consciously aware of the money being spent on small daily purchases and how you are using the items you already have or purchased. For whatever reason you decide to practice extreme frugality, you need to know and understand your reasons. Those reasons will be your motivation. The reasons can be many, but not limited to to rein in your spending, to pay down debt, to purchase a car or home, to save money for college, to save money for retirement, to save money for emergencies, to make a conscious effort to not spend money, to make frugality a part of your life. Whatever reasons you decide to practice extreme frugality, you need to know why you are doing it. Write down those reasons and place them everywhere you need to see them. The office, computer, wallet, kitchen, etc., Now that you know your reason for being extreme in your frugality, you need to find ways to tighten your spending. Some ideas to tighten up your frugal game could be asking yourself to wait three to seven days before purchasing anything besides necessities. Asking yourself if you have something already on hand before purchasing anything. Making a conscious decision to purchase used, if at all possible. Eliminating food waste and examining if food scraps have another use. Using reusable items before purchasing single-use items like water bottles and drinks. Only purchasing clothes when something needs to be replaced and can't be repaired. Using washcloths and rags for paper towels, napkins, facial tissues, and more. 
eliminating electrical use when possible and using solar or hand power instead, walking or biking instead of driving the car, making your own cleaners and beauty products, and no more eating out and tightening the grocery budget, and so much more. Every decision you make in a day should be examined for frugal reasons. There are always ways to save more money. There may not be things you are willing to do to save more money. That is okay, but ask yourself why you are not willing to go that far to save money or not spend money. If saving or not spending money will hurt yourself or harm your family, then you shouldn't be doing it. There is a fine line in extreme frugality and withholding a critical necessity or service to not spend money is crossing the line. Extreme frugality may bring on extreme cheapness. In some cases, being cheap is not a bad thing. People may view you are cheap just because you are not willing to buy something, go to a party for the sole purpose of buying something, or will not go out bar hopping. That is not being cheap. That is being frugal. Being cheap is only spending what you have to without thought to others or yourself and potential causing harm. Being cheap is also spending the least amount of money possible, even though what you are purchasing is pure crap and you will be buying a new one when that item breaks easily. Being cheap is also taking advantage of situations to get something free or get the upper hand over someone just so you don't have to spend anything. I could go on about being cheap and sometimes it is a good thing, but not usually. You want to be fair in your extreme frugality. You are doing this for yourself and your family. Being cheap is not always being fair to yourself or others. However, in your frugality, look for the free things you can get. Being extremely frugal does not mean your life is over with or that you cannot have any fun. Take advantage of these free things. Look for free things you can do or take home. Take advantage of your library or books and movies. Look for events around the area that do not cost you anything but maybe gas money. Look for things that people are giving away for free. Be a curb shopper, dumpster diver, free garbage sell, box looker. Be creative with what you have and what you find. Have staycations often and keep them as frugal as possible. Learn new skills with items you already have. And don't say no when someone wants to treat you or your family. You can still live a full life even though you have your nose to the extreme frugal grindstone. You can still have fun. You can still be involved in things you love, but just be conscious of what it is asking of you financially. Some groups and things are fun, but if you are constantly bleeding money to be in while trying to actively save money, something is wrong. You may have to let those things go for a time while you are being extremely frugal. While being extremely frugal is a very good thing, you still have some things to keep in mind. Being an extreme frugalister can make, you, can make your mind think some funny things. Like, you shouldn't throw away anything or give anything away. Like, you should be a hoarder. That, that couldn't be farther from the truth. Yes, by all means, keep what you can use or think of a use for. However, if you have things you cannot use at all, you should give them away, sell them, donate them, or responsibly recycle them. Please don't be an episode of one of those shows. If you have stuff not serving you, do something with it. Your home shouldn't be a fire hazard because of the stuff you own. Lastly, you have to be intentional in your extreme frugal game. You have to be content with what you already have. If you are used to shopping a lot, you need to figure out why and stop. You have to be happy with what you have and not use shopping as stress relief. 
You have to be content with what you have and not be envious of what the neighbors have. You do not need to have the latest, greatest things. That is not being content. You need to be content with a 10-year-old car and a house without a pool. You need to be happy with wearing out your clothes without buying the season's new fashions. You need to be okay with bringing your own lunch and not going out to lunch every day or every week. You have to be content with what you have and your decisions to save money so you can achieve your goals. Otherwise, being extremely frugal will not be as easy an easy process for you. Extreme frugality is not for everyone, but everyone can do it. You can try it for a short amount of time or the rest of your life. You never know when you will need to be extremely frugal, so being extremely frugal now will only serve you later. I will encourage you to give it a try and make it work for you. Thanks for reading, Erica. All right, guys, there's just a, just a little bit of thought there to you know the amount of money that's going out. Sometimes we, we spend money like it's going out of style and we really don't take into account. I mean, I think one of the things is you should always have a budget and see you know where, uh, where your money is going, right? I think that's important. If you don't tell your money where to go, it's going to go you know wherever it wants. I think that's something that Dave Ramsey uh, normally says. And so you need to have a budget. But then after you have that budget, you're able to see where all that money is. And then you're able to figure out what you need to do. So if you are living that frugal life for whatever the reasons are that, for instance, that Erica talked about, then you have a purpose of where you're putting that money. So if you are saving for retirement, if you're saving for a car or for a home or you're paying down debt or those types of things, I think it's very important to have a reason. I know some people are just frugal because they're just frugal and they just don't spend a lot of money. I know that happens to me. I go long amounts of time where like, you know, I'm good. I I don't need anything. You know, I'm going to the grocery store and buying groceries. But as far as gadgets or whatever, you know, that's not something that I necessarily need right now. And so, you know, that might be a time that you that you do that, that you're like, you know what, I'm going to set this these three months or the six months uh, time. I'm going to be very frugal so that I can save my money. Whatever money I save, I'm going to put it towards this one area of my life, right? Whether it's paying down debt, whether it's, you know, building an emergency fund, maybe it's some, you know, some preparedness gear that you want. Maybe you want to buy that big Berkey uh, water filter, or, you know, you want to uh, buy a a year's worth of food storage, you know, along those things. Um, I can see where you would be frugal for a while to be able to really save some money to, uh, you know, to put a, a nice chunk of change towards, towards something. And so, you know, think about that. Think about how you spend money. I think that's important. Sometimes, you know, one of the things that I love that she said here is it's in the small decisions of everyday life. Because if you, you know, your money, if you, it can nickel and dime you to death. And then, you know, by the time you know it, it's like you, you've spent all this money. I don't know if that's ever happened to you, right? Where you've had like $20 and then, you know, in your, in your wallet and then, you know, $1 here, $2 here, $1 here. And then you look at your wallet. It's like, man, I got a dollar left. Where did all that go? And, and it was just like little bitty things that you're spending money on. But then all of a sudden it all adds up and it's all gone. And so, you know, you can, you can let that work against you or you can allow that to work for you by being frugal. So a lot to think about there. Again, that's over at Living Life in Rural Iowa. I will link to it in the show notes. All right, guys, this next article is an important topic. It comes to us from survivalsullivan.com, and it's uh, the article is Fish Antibiotics for Survival and How to Store Them. 
And this is a big topic. It comes up uh, every so often in preparedness. And then a lot of the times I go to read the comments and there's still a lot of unknowns about this where people just don't have that information. And part of it is because new people are coming into preparedness. Other people is just because they haven't really done the research and then other people just like, because they can't wrap their head around this, you know, they hear fish antibiotics and it's just like, or any other animal antibiotics, and they just can't get out of the fact is like, how is that for human consumption? How is that human medicine, right? So anyway, we're going to read this article. I don't agree with everything in this article. I'm going to say that right up front. And so at the end of this article, I'm going to uh, point you to a lot of resources. So if this is something that you're interested in, and if you are someone who is trying to be more self-reliant, you're trying to be more prepared, I think this is a topic. This is something that you really need to listen to. Um, You know, I'm going to give you a lot of resources here because I, I just want you to be in the know on this. And I've been following this for a very, very long time. So uh, again, like I said, over at survivalsullivan.com, the title is Fish Antibiotics for Survival and How to Store Them. Let's go ahead and jump right in. When you find yourself in a survival situation, there are a lot of hacks or alternatives that you can use to get the job done. But if SHTF and you or your loved ones get an infection, such as a toothache, life is going to get pretty awful very quickly. There are a lot of options for treating the symptoms of an infection, such as pain, swelling, or fever. But if you don't eliminate the infection, the root cause of those symptoms, treating the symptoms, is only a temporary relief. Some preppers have explored the option of fish antibiotics in a survival situation as a last resort option. I have a young daughter still at home, one of whom is prone to respiratory infections, and being able to treat her if she gets sick in an SHTF situation is one of my main concerns. So although I've also researched natural treatments, I did some research and ordered a bottle of fish antibiotics, cephalexin or keflex. I had planned to order several other kinds later on, but I started with cephalexin. It arrived and I added it to my SHTF stockpile of supplies and didn't think much more about it. But just a few days later, I had the opportunity to test out those fish antibiotics on a tooth infection. I'm going to share that experience with you along with some other good information to know about fish antibiotics for survival. My tooth had been aching something fierce for about three days or more and like the big baby I am when it comes to dentistry, I was putting off getting it taken care of even though I know that it can lead to more problems if I put it off. We don't always do what we should, do we? Well, the entire left side of my nose and cheek swelled up virtually overnight from this toothache. Funny thing was, with the swelling there, the pain of the toothache was gone, but my children were freaked out because I looked really horrible with half my face swollen. A relief and not a relief at the same time. Since my fish antibiotics had arrived by chance just a few days prior to that, I looked up recommended dosages for severe infection and started taking them. I figured the only way to know if fish fish antibiotics would really work in a survival situation would be to try them now. And I'd rather experiment now than wait until SHTF to find out fish antibiotics don't work. Plus, waiting till SHTF to try them meant taking the additional risk that one of us could have an allergic reaction to the fish antibiotics without professional doctors available to to help. 
Since I'm a single mom, I cannot afford to check out during an SHTF event because of an allergic reaction, and I certainly don't want to inadvertently kill one of my children while trying to heal them of an infection. I told my family what I was doing before I started taking them, just in case something quirky went wrong and I needed professional medical attention. The first day, my face continued to swell, and I was a bit nervous to go to bed, thinking that my eye would be swollen shut when I woke. As expected, when I woke the next morning, my face and my eye were really swollen from the infection, but I could still see. Still no pain. I continued the antibiotics, and I started drinking a lot of water. It was a Saturday morning. I decided if the swelling didn't start going down by the next morning, I was heading for the urgent care. Trust me, I wasn't looking forward to having to tell the doctor that I had taken fish antibiotics. I could anticipate the looks between staff as if deciding whether I was crazy and should be committed somewhere. By Sunday morning, thankfully, the swelling had gone down considerably. There was just one little puffy place under my eye. But unfortunately, with the swelling down, the pain of the toothache was returning gradually. Not good. But the dosage recommendations on the fish antibiotics said to take for 7 to 14 days, so I kept taking the antibiotics. And a few days later, since I still had pain and symptoms, and it had only been 7 days, I decided to do 14 days total instead of stopping at 7 days. By the time the 14 days was up, the swelling had been completely gone for almost a week. The pain from my toothache had subsided completely at around the 11th day but I continued to take them to the 14th day. Now, at least I know when SHTF and dentists aren't accessible, what I have stored will work on tooth infection at least. I'm not a physician and I'm not recommending that anyone experiment on themselves, and it would be better to have the antibiotics analyzed first. I always recommend anyone changing medications does so under a doctor's supervision, but I researched this subject for nearly a year. I had several referrals from other people who had success with this company, and I did my research on what I bought. I felt confident I had gotten something that, although it may not help the infection, it wasn't going to physically harm me, and I had absolutely no other health issues going on. Although, I must admit, it was a bit scary taking something unknown. I have since bought quantities of other fish antibiotics from the same company to have on hand for different types of infection FSHTF. It's now been more than a year and I've had no ill effects to my knowledge from taking the antibiotics. Again, this is my story and not medical advice for your situation. Things to consider when taking fish antibiotics for survival. Make sure you are certain about the difference between animal dosage and human dosages. Remember that animal antibiotics are designed to work on the body type of the animal it is made for and this can impact how well it works or doesn't work for humans. Know what is in fish antibiotics to be sure that you do not have a known allergy to its listed ingredients. Fish antibiotics and other drugs for animals can have additive fillers and other things that are prohibited in human antibiotics. The only way to be certain is to have the antibiotic you choose analyzed to identify additional ingredients. What to know about labeling of antibiotics. Pharmaceutical grade is a completely made-up term or phrase some people and companies use to imply that fish antibiotics are suitable for humans. USP certified refers to the United States Pharmacopoeial Convention. They set guidelines for drug quality in regards to how pure it is, how it should be stored, and its strength. USP certified does not mean that drug is effective or safe for humans. And FDA approved for animals doesn't automatically mean FDA approved for humans. 
What about the expiration dates on antibiotics? If you're going to store your antibiotics, you definitely want to know that when you need them in an SHTF situation, they're still going to be effective. Most antibiotics have a manufacturer's expiration date, which is on the packaging that arrives at the pharmacy and a pharmacist's discard date, which is labeled by the pharmacist at the time they dispense it to you. The good news is that most antibiotics do not become toxic because they are outdated. Tetracycline is one antibiotic that is dangerous if it is outdated. It can damage the liver, but one thing to be aware of with outdated antibiotics is that the allergen strength can increase over time, especially in drugs such as cephalosporin and penicillin. This means if you do have an allergic reaction to the drug, it could be more severe and even fatal. In a survival situation, a severe allergic reaction is a very serious risk because professional medical treatment may not be available or the response time of emergency personnel will be extremely delayed and unpredictable. But one of the biggest dangers of using antibiotics that are outdated or old is the fact that many antibiotics lose their potency over time. Now, you may be thinking this is no big deal, right? It's a little less effective, but that's not going to kill me. However, it is a big deal. In fact, taking an antibiotic that has lost its potency can actually have serious consequences and can, ha- can even be fatal. One of the huge risks associated with taking an antibiotic that is out- outdated and has lost its effectiveness is that the dosage of the antibiotic is then no longer adequate to completely eradicate the infection. So essentially, you would be doing the same thing that some people do when they take antibiotics just until they feel better and symptoms go away and then stop taking them. You may feel better and be out of danger for the immediate future, but you run the risk of having the infection, now resistant to that antibiotic, hiding dormant in your body. This is why it's critical to have your animal or fish antibiotics analyzed to make sure they contain the medication you believe they do at the level you believe is there. Because if your antibiotic has lost its potency, or if your fish antibiotic is really cornstarch in a look-alike capsule with, say, half the amoxicillin mixed into it, then the next time that infection rears its head, three months or six or even a year from now, the antibiotic may not have any effect at all. When this happens and medical treatment is available, doctors prescribe a different antibiotic or a stronger one that usually does the trick. But in a survival situation, you may not have the luxury. So if you're going to stockpile antibiotics for any kind of survival, then pay attention to the manufacturer's expiration date and that you are storing them properly so they don't break down too early. Did you know that your bathroom medicine cabinet is one of the worst places to store your medication? Humidity is a huge enemy when it comes to proper storage of medications, including fish antibiotics. Below are some additional tips on how to store fish antibiotics for survival. So keep at room temperature between 59 and 86 degrees Fahrenheit. That's 15 degrees Celsius to 30 degrees Celsius. This includes temperature during shipping also. Store medications in airtight containers. Make sure your packaging cannot leach into the pills or the pills leach into the plastic packaging. Just like with canned goods and other foods, rotate your stockpile of fish antibiotics so you are using the oldest medications first and leaving the fresher ones in storage. If your antibiotics get too cold or too hot even for just one day, you have to assume that shelf life and potency has been compromised. Most liquid medications require refrigeration and should not be used before or beyond their expiration date. A final warning about taking fish antibiotics. Even human antibiotics are nothing to mess around with if you don't need to, folks. 
You can build a resistance to any antibiotic if you don't use them correctly. If you don't take antibiotics long enough to completely eradicate an infection, or if you don't take the right antibiotic for what ails you, which you can't know 100% without lab tests, it can do more harm than good. So this post should not be taken as a recommendation for anyone to just go out and start taking fish antibiotics. I'm also not advocating the use of fish antibiotics in place of professional medical attention. But the fact is there will be some illnesses and diseases that will need antibiotic treatment post-SHTF. Herbal and natural remedies will work for lots of things and they are safer to use but they won't work for everything. This is simply the sharing of what worked for me one time and what I plan to have on hand as a last resort option in a survival situation. Also, at the time when I tried fish antibiotics, I had no health issues other than the tooth pain. I was taking no other medications, prescriptions, or over-the-counter. And I knew if something went wrong, professional medical attention was available. Do your own thorough research of whatever you decide to try. Always go with natural remedies first if you can. Consult your physician whenever possible before starting any new treatment or discontinuing any current treatment. You never know when medications will interact. Don't believe everything you read on a company website and try to get first-hand testimonials or even call the manufacturer to ask questions. Here's hoping I won't ever need fish antibiotics again, but I feel more confident having a last resort option on hand if needed. And then there's a disclaimer, like always, uh, we need a disclaimer, just that's the way the world is. The information in this article is provided as is and should not be mistaken for or be a substitute for medical advice. Always consult your physician before trying any of the advice presented on this page. Consult your physician before taking or stockpiling fish antibiotics. Neither the author nor survivalsullivan.com or the company behind the website shall be held liable for any negative effects of you putting into practice the information in this article. All right, so disclaimer, disclaimers all over the place in our today's society. So let me talk a little bit about what I have learned throughout the years of running Prepper website and following someone like Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Um, they are uh, medical professionals. Dr. Bones is uh, he is a doctor, like a for sure doctor, and Amy is a nurse and a nurse practitioner. So, I mean, these, uh, they had practices, they worked in the medical field before, uh, before they retired and left that, and uh, they write for medical preparedness and coming from that standpoint, right? And so, um, you know, I, I've, I always read their articles. Their, their articles, you know, their website was one of the first ones that I ever really hit because, you know, you can learn a lot about wilderness survival. You can learn a lot about fish uh, or I'm sorry, like fishing and hunting and, and building fires and all that kind of stuff. But medical preparedness, it takes a little bit more skill and a little bit more know-how there uh, to, to know, right? And so I always, uh, you know, and I always thought and in the back of my mind that, you know, that was very important. So I always uh, for sure read their articles and, and uh, watched their videos. And so, uh, and then that's one reason why I always promote their book and their book should be the first preparedness book that you purchase uh that you have on your uh you know on your nightstand that you're reading it that you you put it in your bug out bag whatever um you know that is a book that you need to have for sure you know i always recommend that is the first book that you should have so let's talk a little bit about uh about this uh this article and then i just want to talk a little bit about uh some of the things that i read here and really i kind of should have uh 
I could have stopped as we were going, but I would have been stopping a whole lot here. Um, okay, so first thing here is um, there's differences between animal dosages and human dosages, definitely. But I want to talk a little bit about animal antibiotics and human antibiotics. Now, I have read articles, people have, have uh, written articles, I've linked to them on Prepper website, about animal antibiotics that you can get like at a, uh, you know, a veterinarian su- you know, supply or uh, you can get even like, uh, you know, if you go to like tractor supply or, or a place where you're going to buy things for horses and a feed store, whatever, right? Um, so you can get those types of, of antibiotics. You need to really, really research those. When you talk about, fit, and, and I do have articles on Prepper website, you can go to the tag cloud. You would go to PrepperWebsite.com, go to the top right-hand corner, uh, do the little drop-down, and select Prepping Topics, and then find uh, in the tag cloud, find Antibiotics. And so uh, there'll be articles there. Fish antibiotics are a little bit different. Fish antibiotics and human antibiotics are the exact same thing. And so, again, I'm referring back to articles that Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy have put out. Uh, And Nurse Amy, I remember even on a podcast where she had talked about where she had visited a a fish antibiotic, a human antibiotic factory. And so it's the same exact capsule. So basically, and you know what, now I'm remembering, I have talked about this on the podcast before, but for instance... The, the same labs that make fish antibiotics make human antibiotics. And so there's no place, uh, there's no time where they say, okay, guys, we've made enough uh, human antibiotics. Let's stop and change out all our equipment and make fish antibiotics. And then they do that for a while and like, okay, we made enough fish antibiotics. Let's change out all our equipment, clean up everything and start making human antibiotics. They're the same exact thing. So if you go and you open up a bottle of, of uh, fish uh, uh, mocks, uh, forte and you have amoxicillin and you have it in your hand during the, the same exact pill so uh you're looking you know fish antibiotics is is the, I, I, I'm, what i'm trying to say is fish antibiotics for me is the way that i would go when i would be looking into antibiotics uh to stockpile although other people have talked about other types of antibiotics out there so um, where you talk about the, you know, where they were talking about, you know, the fillers and stuff like that. Uh, one of the articles, and so I decided to pull a, a couple of different articles. So uh, three different articles. One article is part four. And the reason that I linked to part four is because part one, two, and three are linked at the very top of that article. So if this is something that you're wanting, I'm giving you a lot of articles to go uh, read and research and, and, and different things like that. But, you know, in one of those articles, Dr. Bones was doing his research and there were no fillers. I mean, the ingredients were, uh, you know, antibiotics. You know, it, it, that's what it was, amoxicillin, you know, pure amoxicillin in there. And so in, in the fish antibiotics, there was nothing else. And so you do need to be careful where you're buying them from. And I'll talk about that here in just a minute. Okay, so the uh, the toxicity or at least the potency, not the toxicity, but the, the potency of uh, antibiotics. So there was, uh, and Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy again have talked about this before in the past, there was a big government uh, funded research uh, done because they had stockpiled all this medicine. So they wanted to know, do we throw it away or because it's been, you know, it's expired or, or what do we do? And they started testing it 
and they realized it that the potency had dropped very very minimally you know even like five years out and so there is you know definitely i would you know i i am not a doctor i do not play one disclaimer disclaimer all that kind of stuff but yeah you know i really wouldn't be getting rid of any medicine that i have you know if if even if it said expired or whatever yes it might lose the potency and i understand what this author said here where you know you you're taking something that's not as potent but then in in those cases i don't know uh if it was shtf and i had some really old antibiotics uh, I might double up on them or whatever, but I would still take them, be, you know, if, if I was uh, worried about an infection. And so that's just me. That's just what I would do. Um, again, I'm, you know, one of the, the first things that kind of got my wife into preparedness was that um, the show, uh, you know, after Armageddon. And uh, at the end, the, the father dies because uh, of a small infection, you know. And so you know, I just kind of always have that in the back of my mind. The author here brought up tetracycline, and I know that in the past that was an issue. I believe they fixed that one, but you know that might be one that you just stay away from if you're not sure. But I, I believe I remember hearing people saying that that was fixed, so it was only tetracycline back uh, way back in the day. Anything that is liquid, I, I would not store longer than the year, you know, and then I would get you know get rid of that two years at the most. Uh, anything that's liquid there, definitely. Um, I like the idea or the, the advice of uh, the bathroom cabinet uh, because of the humidity. I never really thought about that one, but that's something that you know you might want to, uh, to, to think about there. And then agreeing with the author about not abusing it. So, uh, you know, very important there. So, guys, go look. If this is something that is interesting to you and, and something that you might think you want to, to stockpile for your uh, you know, for your medical supplies, if the poop ever hit the fan, go do some research. I, I, like I said, I'm linking to three articles. One of those articles links to three more. So potentially, you know, like six articles there that you can go and do some research. And then you can always go to Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy's website and search, you know, antibiotics. And then they, they will come up. Uh, definitely, uh, you know, th- some of the articles are going to walk you through which fish antibiotics equal or bird antibiotics equal, you know, the, the human name for that. And so you can kind of look at that and, and you can print those off. But uh, they have that in their medical preparedness handbook as well. And so I would recommend, you know, if you come over to um, the proper website podcast.com and you go to the episodes tab, over on the right sidebar, you're going to see a link that goes straight to Amazon to purchase their book. Their book. And uh, you know, make sure if you go to Amazon, make sure you get the most recent update. I think it was uh, 2016 or 15. Um, you know, that was the most updated version of it. And so, definitely, uh, you know, would agree, would uh, recommend that you get their book. Like I said, it talks about all the medical stuff, preparedness stuff, if a, if a doctor wasn't around. But then the, the antibiotics issue, it has essential oil section. It has natural remedy section. And so it's just a book that you need to have. So t- talking about purchasing these from a credible or someone that you, you can trust. Um, there is, uh, I have an advertiser on Prepper website, campingsurvival.com, and they sell fish antibiotics. And so you can go, and those are the same exact ones that I have purchased, uh, you know, for myself and for my family. And uh, you know that those are going to be the ones that are recommended. Um, 
in the past, uh, you were able to buy them off of eBay and you were able to buy them off of Amazon and they started really tightening that up. But now you can uh, you can still get them. And so uh, definitely go check out Camping Survival. There's a link on uh, Prepper website on the right-hand corner uh, where you can just go straight over there and go look up their fish antibiotics. And, uh, you know, buy some of the, you know, go do some research and buy the, the ones that are the would be the most popular ones. And then just have that, right? And, and you can find out like, okay, why would I take this antibiotic? Uh, you know, with what infection and what's the dosage for myself? What's what would be the dosage for someone smaller than me or whatever? And and get all that kind of information, and uh, you know, work off of that. But uh, you know, stick. I would I would stick with the fish antibiotics and the bird antibiotics, of course, uh, and mostly with the fish antibiotics. Again, disclaimer, disclaimer, and all that good stuff. But do the research there. Uh, there's still a lot of uh, misinformation out there. And uh, I think uh, you'd be pleasantly surprised if you go somewhere. Like if you go to Google and you just type in, can humans, you know, take fish antibiotics? You're going to get all kinds of weird, crazy stuff. If you go somewhere that you know that they're medical professionals like Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy, so doomandbloom.net, and you go search on their websites, then you'll get some information from someone that you know are real doctors, not from someone that's just writing articles. Now, I'm not disparaging this article here. There's a lot of good information here. And uh, this person did use them uh, you know, to help treat uh, their infection. And uh, someone in the comment section said they did the same thing. And I know people who have used them as well. And it has worked. And so, uh, you know, there you go. You got you to gotta just uh, at some point... You know, do the research, feel comfortable with it, and go from there. So, uh, guys, again, that's over at survivalsullivan.com. And uh, like always, I link to it in the show notes as well as a bunch of other articles that you can continue to do research on. All right, so good information there. I, you know, medical preparedness is just a, a big deal. Well, everyone, that's it for episode 300. Don't forget to subscribe to the show. Head on over to the prepper website podcast.com. That way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. Hey, and take a moment to connect with me. I have tons of ways to connect in the show notes. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.